You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. So, uh, so next week, as I mentioned, we're not back here at Botanic Gardens. We are having what's called a regional service. A regional service is where, so we're part of uh, what's called the Los Angeles Church of Christ. started 30 years ago. We just had our anniversary celebrating that last weekend. You guys were there. And uh, so we started in L.A., that's why it's called the L.A. Church of Christ, but then we spread into all these areas. So we don't call it the L.A. Church of Christ anymore here because that confuses people. They think you meet in L.A., so we, that's why we call it South Bay Church. But we love the L.A. Church of Christ. And so there's a family of churches within the L.A. Church of Christ called Coastal L.A., and all of those churches get together a couple times a year. And we're going to be doing that next year, next week, <laughs> next week at 10.30, not 10. If you come at 10, that's awesome. You'll be here early, but... Uh, Maricosta High School. So it'll be about a thousand people all worshiping God together there at Maricosta. And we have some guest speakers. Uh, Dr. Ben Barnett and his wife are coming. He is an expert in the area of, uh, of diversity and, and conversations about diversity. Uh, he has a doctorate. He's working on his second doctorate as if one was not enough. Um, he's a, a Bible scholar as well as, as an expert in these other fields. But uh, he's going to be talking, the, the title of the, of the talk he's giving is Courageous Conversation. So he's been talking about greater depth of connection across cultural barriers. And we do live in a very, very diverse city, and so we want to learn how to better, uh, better build up uh, God's kingdom by uh, the connections that we have with each other. So that's next, week, next weekend. So because they're in town, we want to take advantage of that and all of our leadership group of Coastal LA. So about 200 people, people that lead groups, we're all getting together on Saturday night to meet with Ben and uh, to, to be able to kind of have a little bit more intimate time with him. And the, the church is going to provide the food. You just need to show up with a good attitude. So that is going to be over in Paramount at the MLA building from 4 to 7 on Saturday night. It's also open if you don't lead a group and you really want to come, talk to me. I'm sure you can come. We can, you know, get a little extra food or whatever. But especially if you do lead a group or you shepherd a group, make sure that you are there on Saturday. All right. So today we're um, starting a new series, a new sermon series called Good Work. And uh, we just finished one on Ephesians. And one of the things that Ephesians taught us was about our identity in Christ. We had a lot of great sharing about that and how people really grew from understanding better their identity in Christ and how that identity affects every area of our life, our relationships with one another, our marriages, our parenting, and our work. And uh, Paul wrote this in Ephesians 6-7 about work. He said, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether slave or free. So whatever work we do, and he's talking to a large portion of the, the early church were slaves. They, they, they didn't work, uh, they didn't have a choice in what kind of work they wanted to do, right? But, but Paul still said, this work is, is, is good work because it glorifies God. And you put God into your work, it changes your whole perspective on work. So talking to Andy and, and praying about it, we, we thought we should just dig into that more because work is where you spend a lot of time. And so how, you, how your faith affects your view of work is really important. And uh, so we're going to spend a whole series talking about work. Now for the teens, some of you guys don't have jobs, but just everything time I say work, translate it into schoolwork, okay? <laughs> schoolwork, work. So good work for the teens, it's good schoolwork. Uh, but we're going to be talking about that. So what is your relationship to your work? You know, as you sit there right now today, you might have a good relationship to your work. You might have a bad relationship to your work. 
It maybe it changes day to day, uh, week to week. I remember a big shift in my uh, relationship to work uh, years ago when I had this uh, uh, job, corporate job. Um, I was working in corporate sales, and everything was just perfect. Like conditions were perfect. It was awesome. I lived. I was in this cubicle in the back. Nobody bothered me. Me and my really good friend had cubicles right next to each other. And we could even have music going because we were kind of there, nobody was bothering us. And we found this sort of niche in our company of selling to companies stuff that, you know, we kind of would get them stuff that they needed and we learned how to get stuff from distribution. It was called Ingram Micro. We had good relationships with Ingram Micro and we would get companies what they needed. We both had some great accounts and so we were making really good money. Um, the guy who would, I would need to make new SKUs, it was called. So if there was a product we didn't have in our system, we would make a new SKU for that product and I could sell it from this other distribution. And the guy who created those SKUs was right next to me. So it was me, my good friend, and the, and the guy who had made the SKU. So I had everything I needed. I had music. Nobody bothered me. Kind of came in when I wanted, you know, making really good money. It was awesome. So then I go away for vacation in the summer, a couple weeks or something, and I come back and everything has changed. My cubicle has been moved. Now I'm in the middle of this sales floor of all these people and, and we, have to make, we have to make outbound calls, we have to receive calls. They, they got rid of our customer service department, so it used to be people would call in and, and customer service would take care of them. They got rid of that, so they wanted all the salespeople to take customer service calls. So now I'm supposed to take customer service calls. My friend was moved somewhere else. He left pretty quick after that. He left the company. And they've hired this kind of team from Chicago uh, that was making all this money for this other company. Companies like to hire people away from other competitors, right? So they hired this sales team. And so my, I have a new sales manager now, and he was, uh, he was this guy that was like super, super, super prideful, uh, very good looking, but very prideful, and uh, just down on, you know, down on everybody. His style of management was to like sit at his desk and surf the internet and look at stuff, but, but, but then tell you, you gotta stay in your seat and make your calls. You know what I mean, that kind of thing. Like, tell me why you deserve to take a break and get out of your seat, you know? Like he would send emails like that. Like it was, it was like that Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross feel. You know, if you've ever read, watched that old sales movie. You know, coffee is for closers kind of thing. Yeah, it was horrible, and it changed. Like the minute I got back, and I remember being like, God, what are you doing at my job? I loved my job before. Now I hate my job. Just in one, you know, just a couple weeks. What are you doing, Lord? And so we can go go through those things, right? We can have ups, we can have downs uh, with our work. And so the Bible, what God has to say about our work, uh, can can help us to, to navigate all that. Amen. So look at uh, look at all the way in the beginning of the Bible, the Book of Genesis, and the title of the lesson today is Garden Work. Garden Work. Uh, the Bible begins with a garden and ends with a garden. If you look at the book of Genesis and the end of Revelation, it, that both, uh, the, the setting for both is paradise, which is this garden that God planted. So I thought it would be appropriate to talk about a garden here today as we're in a beautiful garden surroundings. But uh, looking, at, looking in Genesis... Chapter 2, let's just skip to chapter 2, kind of where the end of God's creation work. It says in verse 2, by the seventh day, Genesis 2, 2, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. 
Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So repeatedly in the, in the first couple chapters of, of Genesis, it describes God as being at work. And this Hebrew word, I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I didn't learn how. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's this, I'll to take my word for it, or if you know Hebrew, it, this Hebrew word for work that's used there, uh, as one scholar put it, it's, it's extraordinarily unexpected that divine activity would be described this way. Because the Hebrew word is a word that's used for just ordinary work. Just ordinary, everyday work is what God is described as doing as he's creating all of this, you know, the whole universe and creating man and planting the garden. And this is so contrary to the ancient thought, like to Greek thought, for example. The Greeks thought that work was was debasing. It was for slaves, you know, they, they, there, there was... Uh, the, the whole point was to get yourself out of any kind of work because to Greeks the the, the, the higher uh, higher place to be was in thought right philosophy and thought so you, you shouldn't be having to do something with your hands you shouldn't be having to do something with your body your body even is bad spirit is good uh, thought is good mental activity is good but body hard work you know working with your body working with your hands getting dirty that's that's undignified. That's the Greek thought. But you see that we still have, you know, that's carried over a little bit, right? There's still people that look down on people that work with their hands or that look at certain types of work as more dignified than other types of work, right? That's still in our culture. We come from a, somewhere. We come from Western culture. So that's very much Western thought. So for God to be described as a craftsman, for God to be described as a gardener, for God to be described as, you know, a farmer, you know, in these ways, and even other places, you know, God is a shepherd, God is, Jesus comes as a carpenter, right? Uh, it's telling you something about the nature of God, right? And it's telling you something about how God feels about work. So first point is work is good. You know, God does this work and he says, that is good. He does this, that is good. This is very good. Work is at the beginning of the Bible and it's at the end of the Bible. We, at the end of Revelation, we are serving God. We are working with our bodies to serve God. And work, even work that involves our, our body, mind, soul, spirit, is good. It's before the fall. Notice uh, that this is before uh, sin enters the world. There's still a garden, and God puts the man there to work the garden. Work is there at the beginning, before even the fall. So it's part of God's creation. And we know this, that you know, people who are cut off from work because of a, ment uh, a medical issue or, or some other thing, it has a huge effect on them. Uh, there's times where, where, where people who, who lose their job, their, their health starts to fail, right? Because it's connected to, to, to doing work. Uh, they discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. When, when someone doesn't have meaningful work that they're doing in their life, often they experience uh, loss. They experience emptiness. And many of us may have felt that. You know, there, there should be, we want to put ourselves into something, right? There's something in us that we want to put ourselves into something. And I'm not, you know, there's all kinds of different things that could be. And I'm not talking about just getting paid, but I'm talking about doing something, right? Doing, uh, work is good. And so, do you? How do you believe of that about your work? I remember feeling about my work, like, oh, it's just something I got to do. But the real, the real thing is doing Bible studies or, you know, church stuff or, you know, I'm just here to, you know, sell hard drives or sell software. But that's it's just, you know, it doesn't mean anything, right? Uh, 
And yet, we see that God, in the Bible, He cares about work. He cares about the products that you make. He cares about the customers that you serve. He cares about your coworkers and your company. All our work matters to God, and God matters to all our work. And I know you might not think that, or you might not believe that, but, but as we go through this series, and as we look at some of these texts, I think that you will come to, to believe that. Jesus said this about God in John 5, 5, verse 17. My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I too am working. You know, God has a mission in the world, and we are invited to join Him in His mission. That's what Jesus says, I'm working too. God's working, I'm working. And so a, a different view of work is to go, what is God doing in this place, and how can I join Him in it? How can I be a part of it? Look at, uh, I know you're still in Genesis, look in verse 8. It says, the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. So something like this, maybe, that is behind us. There he put the man he had formed. So who's the original gardener? God. He's the one that planted the garden, right? Then in verse, skip down verse 15. It says, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So God calls the man to partner with him in the work that he's been doing, just like we saw Jesus said. Jesus said, God's working, and I'm working. Here, God plants the garden, and then God tells the man, now you're going to take care of the garden. Now you are joining me in this work. So the second point, number one, work is good. Number two, we're all gardeners. We're all gardeners. What is a garden? Garden is the beauty of nature, right, but with focus, with cultivation, with, uh, with some boundaries put in, with some design put in. It's not, you know, natural beauty is amazing, but, but, but garden beauty is a little different, right? It's, it's, it's the, the intelligence of mind or it's the organization of, of, of making something that's already beautiful, but, but making it even more beautiful if it's possible, you know? As you look through this place, if you, if you stroll through here later, you'll see special uh, places in the park where, okay, this area is just, all about things that smell good. You know, this area is all about things that, you know, have beautiful flowers. You know, as you walked in, it's all orchids. I mean, amazing, right? And so if, if you are, are walking around, and I don't even know where you find an orchid. I think maybe in South America, in the Amazon or something. You know, maybe you're walking around, you might find an orchid, but, but here you just have all these orchids brought together, right? That's gardening. Um, I want to read you a quote from... Uh, uh, Tim Keller, and, I'm, and some of the stuff I'm going to be sharing is, is from a book that uh, Andy recommended called Every Good Endeavor. And I'll show you a slide next time we're together, but, uh, but here's a quote. It says, so we are not to relate to the world as park rangers whose job is not to change their space but to preserve things as that they are. Nor are we to pave over the garden of the creating wor created world to make a parking lot, <laughs> like the old song. No, we are to be gardeners who take an active stance toward their charge. They do not leave the land as it is. They rearrange it in order to make it most fruitful, to draw the potentialities for growth and development out of the soil. They dig up the ground and rearrange it with a goal in mind, to rearrange the raw material of the garden so it produces food, flowers, and beauty. And that is the pattern for all work. It is creative and assertive. It is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. I was here the other day uh, just having a prayer time and I was walking down in, in, the, 
kind of middle of the garden, and, and I saw a woman who was working here as a gardener. I don't know if she's a volunteer, I don't know if she's an employee, but she had, you know, her, her hat on with the thing to cover her, her neck and, and had it on garden clothes, and she was working really hard. I don't, I don't know what exactly she was doing, but she really seemed to me to be enjoying what she was doing. She seemed to be really enjoying that work that she was doing of, of taking the soil and taking the seeds and planting something beautiful, and she's going to watch it grow, and, and she's going to be able later to go, look, there are those flowers that I made. There's that planter that I, that I, I did that. You know, God, God's creation and me did that. And that's what work should be. It's like God's creation and me working together to make something that is beautiful and edifying and builds up the world. You know, if you were, what is farming? It's taking soil and seed and producing food. I like to do a lot of music. What is music? It's taking the physics of sound that God made, the overtone series that's built into creation, and, and using that, those physics, to create something beautiful and an experience for people. You know, you think about technology. It's taking elements from the ground sometimes from these obscure places, right? And, and putting these elements into little wafers and little circuits and creating, putting programming in it, intelligence in it, and then you have this really cool gadget. I mean, this, I have no idea how this, this iPad works. It's just, it's amazing though. I wouldn't even know where to start if I had to make my own iPad. It's not gonna happen. It's gonna be the, the yellow pad, right? The, the iPad. Uh, but, but, it, but pushing a broom or cleaning up dirt or, or, or beautifying a room, any of that, it's, it's, this is what we're talking about. It's good work. It's partnering with God, bringing order from chaos. That's the story of, of Genesis. God, there was chaos, and God created order. He separated the, the, the water from the land. He separated the sky from the sea. And, uh, and that's, that's who we are. We are image bearers, it says. We don't have time to really dig into this, but here in, in Genesis it says God made man in his own image, man and women, male and female, he created them in his own image, imago Dei. That means we all are, are image bearers. We all are representing God. So I want to read you another verse from Colossians. This is kind of a parallel to Ephesians. We learned that Colossians and Ephesians are sort of parallel passages. They have a lot of parallel thoughts because... Paul, I believe Paul wrote both letters at the same time, so he had kind of a stream of thought going. And here's the one about work in Colossians. You can just listen. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Uh, so that's, a, that's the view of work that we're to have, that we're serving God, we're serving Christ, that God is in this place. It's not like I go to work and it's evil and then I, you know, go home and I try my quiet time to make up for it. Now there might be some kinds of work that you just can't do as a Christian. You know, I'm not going to try to give you a list, but we, we probably know. There's certain types of work that you just, and I know people have changed their jobs because they became a disciple of Jesus. But, but hopefully the job that you have, you can open your mind to think, what is God doing in this place? How can God work in this place? Um, I've been able to visit Pat Toomey a couple times at his different works that he's had. One when he was in Manhattan Beach, and then when he's downtown, I visited him there a couple times. And You know, it's cool because you go into his space and you just see he's representing God in his space. And he's got stuff on the walls from his kids and from church and... You know, he's, he's talking to people about God all the time. They know, you know, everybody knows Pat, you know. Uh, they call him Mr. Toomey, at least the one in, in, in Manhattan Beach, because everybody was these younger go-getter types that were, you know, 
wanting to take the world by storm, you know, and he's Mr. Toomey, and they all treat him with respect, and it's just cool, like, Pat is, is taking the small scale of his office and, and, and see what change can I bring to people's lives here in this space. And yeah, that might be, you know, leaving your Bible on your desk and maybe somebody asks you about your faith or, you know, things like that. But it, but it might be just asking people about their lives or, 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 or helping contribute to their needs or, you know what I mean? Like, what what is God doing here and how can I partner with him in it? Uh, so this series we're going to do, I want to just give you a preview of the, of the title. So today's Garden Work. Next next week, two weeks from now, the, the title of the, of the lesson will be Work as a Calling. And so we'll talk a little bit more about how have I been gifted and how have I been called by God? Uh, and and what, what is the calling I received? The week after that, we're going to be down in the uh, down in the amphitheater there. This is on October 6th. So again, we won't be in there because it's not available. I don't know if it's another orchid party or what. But we're going to be down in the amphitheater. And that Sunday, we'll be hearing testimonies from people about their work and about how their faith affects their view of work. The week after that, uh, we'll be back in our regular space, and it's going to be problems at work. Because we are in a fallen w- world, and there are problems. There, you know, the, there is thorny soil. There are conflicts. There is difficulty. It's not like, okay, I'm going to change my view of work, and everything's going to go great. No, there's, there's problems, so you have to navigate that. And then the last one will, will be a new view of work. So, uh, and through all that, saying, God, what did you put me here to do? You know that story I told about uh, my old job. So along with that new company from Chicago, uh, there was a boss who was my boss's boss. So my immediate boss was a jerk. But the boss above that, the guy above him, and, and this guy, okay, I shouldn't say, well, he was a jerk, though. I mean, he's not here to defend himself. But So people would call, on, like, for example, somebody would call on customer service, and, and I, you know, you try to help them, they... Maybe they had something go wrong with their order or something. And, and at that time, you couldn't dial a particular extension to get to somebody. So they just had to, you just came through this queue and you just took these calls. And so they would want you to solve their problem. So sometimes you would try, but then they would say, I need to speak to a manager. I want to speak to a manager. Or they even just come on the phone. I want to talk to a manager. So that guy's my manager, right? So I try to get him to take a call and he would like not take the call. I'd be like, well, did you tell him this? Yes. Or did you tell him this? Yes. Okay, well, go back and, dev- you know, he just, because he's surfing the internet looking at, you know, cars, right? You know what I mean? Let's like, ah! Oh. But the guy above him, that guy was awesome. He was a really cool, cool guy. And he knew that I was like a fish out of water and it's not, not going well, right? And he knew that something's not going good. And, and there, there came an opportunity in the marketing department of my company and uh, so he knew about it. Nobody, you know, people on the general sales floor didn't know, but there was an opportunity. They needed a new product manager, new marketing manager. And so this guy called me into his office, I'm like, and he told me about this opportunity. Would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah, I would totally be interested. And so this guy, not my boss, but my boss's boss, recommended me. Because I'm just trying to still be a good employee. I'm trying to, I'm going to be like Daniel. Or I'm going to be like Joseph. You know, I'm going to just do the work I need to do, but I'm not happy. And, <laughs> um, and uh, so he recommended me for this, and, and I ended up getting it, and it was so awesome. I did three years of that. It changed my life because I was in this space in the company and product management where you're kind of in between accounting over here and advertising over there and sales over there. You're in this really cool in-between spot. I got to see how the whole company worked and how everything worked together. Uh, I got a lot of you know, I, I, I respect. I really liked my job. I, I felt like I was getting an education 
being paid to get an education. You know what I mean? Because I had a music degree. I, I, I kind of got into the sales floor because they just were desperate for people. But now after sales for three years, it was like, this is something awesome. And I, really, I gained a lot from that job that I still use today in the ministry after 19 years in the ministry. So, so God was working. I just didn't know it, you know. And, uh, and, and so I share that to say, you know, God has a design. God has a plan. And the last, well, last point is garden design. Garden design in, in Genesis 1, verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. So God, God purposely designed this earth and designed different systems. And You know, you look at DNA, or you look at the plate tectonics, or you look at all these systems that God made. They're amazing, incredible. The immunization, I mean, uh, uh, not immunization, what, what do you call it, the... Your, your immuno system, your immune, uh, immune system. There you go. Uh, your immune system is incredible. If you just study that in depth, it's like, how did this is incredible? How this is designed. God puts all this design into stuff, and so as gardeners, partnering with God, we're trying to work within His design scheme, right? And we're trying to. So what is God's design? And where do we find God's design? It's in His Word. It's utilizing his word and, and, and applying it to our lives. And, and design comes with boundaries. Design comes with, uh, you know, okay, we're, we're not going to put this there. We're going to put it there. You know, it's not just just put anything anywhere. That's chaos, right? It's, it's, it's order. It's design. You know, if you go to the Winji's wind, backyard, it's very strategically designed. You know, both houses they've lived in. I remember going over to their old house. And it's just this little space, but it's so cool. You go back there and there's this bougainvillea and this little seating areas and everything is like meticulously designed. And then after they got in their new place for a while, then they designed their new backyard. It's so cool. I'm like, man, I wish I could do that to my backyard. My backyard's a little more chaos. Not as much design, but, but that's how God is working in the world. And sometimes there are boundaries, but there's freedom in those boundaries. For example, if this, like this koi pond right here, there's some beautiful fishes in there. And we, we have this society nowadays that it's kind of like uh, people see freedom as a complete absence of any constraints. Like, you know, that's, that's, Christ, that's what freedom should be. And yet think of this fish. Uh, it's restricted, it's free. These fish are, res are free only if they're restricted to the water. You know, if I go... Hey, Mr. Coy, I want you to be free. And I take him out there and I drop him in the field. Go be free, Mr. Coy. You know, that's not going to work, right? Because he was designed for, for particular uh, boundaries and to work within a particular scope. That's how God has made us. And so the boundaries that he gives us, the design that he gives us is for our own benefit. And it really makes us better able to serve him, better, better employees. Like, for example... Uh, let me get two volunteers. Can I get two people to stand up here and pick on you a little bit? Sean, how about you? Let's get Brian, too. Sean and Brian, my two buddies. Okay. So let's have uh, Brian over here. And let's have Sean. I picked on Brian more last time, so I'll pick on Sean more this time. So, so these guys are both employees at the same company. And Sean is, he's just all about money. He's just like, what, what can I do to make the most money? And, and how can I make it the most quickly, right? And, and because I gotta provide, maybe he goes, I gotta provide, but I just wanna make money. 
I'm, I'm really out to I'm really out to get ahead. You know, it doesn't matter who I trample. It doesn't matter. It's just whatever's going to get me the most money. That's his objective. Now let's say that Brian over here, same employee, same I mean, same work, different employee. His perspective is I want to serve God and people with my job. That's why I'm here. I'm here to serve God. I'm here to serve people. Uh, and so they're doing. Let's say they're doing the same job, but that, that those are their worldviews. Those are their perspectives. So who's going to have higher sales numbers? Do you think? Probably him, right? He's probably going to have higher sales numbers. He's probably going to stay later at work because he wants to get home and be with his family and stuff. But over time, you think about that: interactions with customers, interactions with Salesforce, relationships. Over time, what's going to happen? He's going to end up ruining some relationship or, you know what I mean, it's going to crash and burn. It's not going to be sustainable. And Brian is going to, over time, he's going to flourish. Because it's not just about money. It's about doing a great job. It's about, pro, it's about quality. It's about relationships. It's about, you know, uh, maybe nobody sees, maybe nobody knows, but God sees and God knows, and so I want to do a good job. Whereas he's like, nobody sees, nobody knows, so I'm going to shortcut this. Right, but then, oh, what happens when the product fails? So, so, uh, so you see that God's way works, even though it might not in the short term. In the long term, even though there's maybe some boundaries or some restrictions, God's way is better way. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's uh, thank you for letting me take that. So our daily work can be a calling only if it's reconceived as, a, as God's assignment to serve others. And we'll, we'll be talking more about that. So before we take communion, you know, the ultimate example for us of serving God and others is who? Jesus. I mean, Jesus was here on this earth to serve God and to serve others. And so if you think about your work, your example is always going to be Jesus and how he gave himself to others. And when you look at him... The thing about looking at Jesus also is it frees us from the pressures that we sometimes feel at work, like or, or about work. That I gotta prove myself, I've gotta get security, because we know we're already secure in Jesus. Uh, we're already proven uh, by His love, and so it's about you know it's not about that. So we can be secure, so we can be free to serve, serve God and serve others, because we have that security in Christ. We have that identity in Christ that we talked about in the last series. Uh, there's this old hymn um, that I want to read a, a, a verse from uh, called When My Love to Christ Grows Weak, and it talks about the Garden of Gethsemane. So there's a garden at the end of the Bible, there's a garden at the beginning of the Bible, there's also a garden in the middle of the Bible, and that's the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, where Jesus wrestled with his own self. He did not want to go to the cross. He didn't want to suffer what he suffered. But he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And here's the, here's the line from this old hymn. It says, when my love to Christ grows weak, when for deeper faith I seek, then in thought I go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so that's what this time of communion is all about, is going in our mind to the Garden of Gethsemane, remembering how Jesus wrestled. And so as we, as we take communion, I want you to think about Garden of Gethsemane, you know, that Jesus was there in the Garden praying to his Father uh, and wrestling with his faith. And then God used that sacrifice to do something incredible. The entire world was changed. The entire world was transformed by his sacrifice, by his choosing to serve God. And God will use you to transform your space, 
You know, you might not know this, but this whole 87 acres of this property used to be what? Used to be a landfill. Used to be a dump. <laughs> Underneath, yeah. So th this has been cultivated. It's been transformed. It's beautiful space. And that's what God does with you and I. He transforms our wicked and evil selves into something beautiful. We're, we're wretched, we're pitiful, we're poor, blind, and naked, the Bible says. But God makes us clothed in Christ by His grace. We're clothed in Christ. Amen? So let's pray and uh, take communion together. And then we'll close with one song after this. God, thank you for the opportunity to be your children because of what Jesus did and the way he wrestled there in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that we are unworthy in and of ourselves. We know that all our righteous deeds are just filthy rags to you. But we thank you that the love of Jesus transforms us. Uh, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for how we're clothed in Christ in baptism. Uh, we're excited to get to see Michelle get baptized at uh, Avenue C at 1.30. And um, God, uh, we're just so thankful for transformed lives that are only, power only possible because of the powerful blood and body of Jesus. Uh, bless this time of uh, remembrance and uh, uh, pray that each heart could give thanks to you. And I pray it would affect our view of, of our lives and our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.